So my friends, our reading this week is, I believe, the longest gospel of the year, of any of the three-year cycle, um, possibly only competing with it being last week. And next week is going to be pretty long, too. Uh, these are three, the year A Sunday readings for Lent, for the third, fourth, and fifth Sundays of Lent, are uh, the most ancient that we have that are associated with a particular liturgical day. And so this is, again, the most ancient on the fourth Sunday of Lent, reading what ends up being the entire ninth chapter of John's Gospel um, about the man born blind. And in the Lenten season, it is specifically with regard to the upcoming baptisms at Easter. Unfortunately, in our parishes, we don't have anyone being baptized this Easter. Um, but in approaching the Easter season, and with those who will be baptized, uh, the considering the man born blind and his eyes being opened is an important step along the journey. Now, what do we learn from this? Buckle up, because long readings also mean long homilies. So let's see what we can do. Uh, what do we learn from this? The first is that uh, the man born blind stands for those who are baptized. That he's blind, he's unable to see. He is in darkness. And then through the action of Jesus, which, if you read it actually in the Greek, is both an anointing and a washing, right? Our English translation says Jesus smeared clay on his eyes. The word in Greek is actually he anointed. He anointed his eyes and then sent him to wash in the pool of Siloam. And so it's a washing and an anointing, which is meant for any of us that know anything about sacraments to immediately draw our mind to baptism. And so the man is in darkness and then gains sight. He gains light. Baptism enlightens us, that we, we are enlightened through our contact with Christ. Sin darkens the world for us. Anyone who is stuck in sin, it's a path of darkness. It's a path of not having good, clear judgment. It's a path of sadness that sin is dark. Look, it's starting at what? The equinox is this week, right? It's, it's going to be more light than dark. I love it, especially with the time change, right? It's still bright outside. Remember how bad it was coming to four o'clock mass when it's already dark out, right? It's good. We are children of the light. Sin is darkness and it's despair. And that we who have been baptized and those who are going to be baptized are filled with light. We are filled with the light of Christ and that we are enlightened, that we know, we know who our Father God is. We know who has saved us, Jesus Christ. We are filled with the fire of the Holy Spirit, that things are made bright for us. And so we can rightly judge all things. St. Paul says in one of his letters, the one who is spiritual judges all things, is able to, to judge, to correctly determine all things. We are brought to light by baptism and that we have a spiritual vision and that this should actually shape our whole life. Our whole life, every action, every decision should be shaped by my knowledge of God. I'm a son of God. 
I've been adopted into the life of the Trinity. I'm supposed to be another Christ, alter Christus, ipse Christus, another Christ, Christ himself. And that should shape every action of my day. Everything should be shaped by this relationship I have with Almighty God in trying to be another Christ. Every single thing. And that is the enlightenment that comes from baptism. When we are washed and anointed. But, that's our second point, baptism is just the beginning of the journey. And so is, you know, confirmation as well. And for those that are ordained, the anointing at holy orders, right? The, this, the miracle happens at the beginning. If the whole story was just about the miracle, it's like, hey, Deacon Al got through that one in like five lines, right? The miracle happened right at the beginning. What are we doing reading the rest of the chapter? Well, baptism, confirmation, the sacraments we receive, it's, that's the beginning of the story. For those that are going to be baptized this Easter and they're going through that long preparation process, it's not like it ends when they get baptized. And, you know, with confirmation, particularly with the way that we do confirmation, right? Confirmation, how ridic- ridiculous is it? So many people that just think, oh, I'm confirmed. I've graduated church, right? I don't have to go anymore, right? Confirmation is not the graduation from church. It's not the end of the story. In fact, it's just the beginning. When we're baptized and we're confirmed, we are set on a journey to be other Christ. And so it's just the beginning of the story. No matter how long it's been since our baptism, right? That day changed us and it set us on a road of being another Christ. And so we've been marked by that, and it's the beginning of the story. And all those that receive any of these sacraments, it's the beginning. It's not the end. It's not the, the you know, end of the story. No, it's, we're just getting started on that. Baptism, confirmation, they're the beginning of the journey. And we should see that that's the road we're on. I was baptized... 35 years ago or so, just almost 36 years ago, like that started me on a journey that it led to today, right? Here I am. I'm still on the path of someone living the baptized life. Confirmed 20 years ago, whatever, right? Uh, ordained 10 years ago, right? All along that journey, it's the journey, the path that we're, we should be living these things out. We live out our baptism. And our baptism and living it out is particularly strengthened by the cross. That to, li- to authentically live the Christian life brings with it the cross. This guy whose eyes get opened goes through tremendous amounts of difficulty because of this miracle, right? It doesn't just happen and everything's great, right? Jesus opens his eyes and the whole rest of the story is the trouble that happens in his life because of it. It starts with his friends and his neighbors, right? Hey, that, that looks like the blind guy that used to be. No, but that can't be him because he can see. No, no, it's me. It's really me. No, that, you look like that guy, but you're not him, right? Um, and, and that happens with us. And it would happen today. If we started living a life of radical holiness today, maybe people around us would be like, Yeah, aren't you? Aren't you the person that used to do all those bad things? Like, what are you doing? Doing, you can't change. 
you just look, right? Oh, Father Casey went on retreat a week ago and he's trying to come back and be holy. No, that's someone else. That's not Father Casey. He doesn't act that nice, right? He doesn't stay that quiet or whatever, right? No, no, it's me. I'm trying. I'm just trying to be better, right? To, to, live, to live better, more converted life. Each one of us, we can try to live a more converted life. We could try to live more like Jesus. But get ready. Because if we do, people around us are going to say, why are you acting all holier than thou? Why are you? What are you trying to be all, you know, big shot Christian? And our friends and neighbors are going to start asking questions. And they're going to probably maybe ridicule us a bit. Then this guy gets dragged off to the Pharisees who aren't concerned that a blind man can see But their issue is that Jesus made clay, right? Which you're not allowed to do on the Sabbath. You can't make clay on the Sabbath because it's work. So they're concerned that Jesus made the clay that he put on his eyes. And they are just stuck in their uh, rigorous, religious way of doing things. And when we start living radical holiness, certain church styles are going to confront that. And they're not going to like how we're trying to actually live radical holiness, how we're trying to live radical gospel availability. Rather, it's we have our secure church way of doing things. And don't you dare step on that. And don't you dare change that. It's our church way of doing things. And if we start living radical holiness, then there are people that just want the comfort church and the comfortable way of doing what we've always done that aren't going to like that and that are going to oppose that. Then they call the guy's parents in. We don't believe he was blind. Get his parents in here. Make them testify, right? Was this, is this your son? Was he really blind? And they say, like, their fa- his family basically abandons him. They, they abandon him. We don't want to get involved in this, right? We don't, our son, whatever's going on, he's our son. Yes, he was blind. But ask, ask him, right? And as we start living greater holiness, maybe those people that should support us are not going to. And maybe they're going to walk away from us. And maybe they're just going to, no, the ball's in their court. Deal with, you know, that. don't come asking me. Instead of his parents defending him, his parents just totally cut him off. We don't, we don't want to get involved, right? And that can happen. It could be very painful, the cross, when even the people that should support us that should be our greatest supporters, just wash their hands of us. And then finally, he's kicked out of the synagogue, right? Not just like, get out of here for today. Uh, the, the implication is forever. You're, you are excommunicated from the synagogue, never allowed to come back, because you, and he's preaching even to the Pharisees. He's preaching to them, look, hey, my eyes are open. How can this man do this if he wasn't for God? And they kick him out expel him from the synagogue forever, at which point Jesus finds him. Jesus now, who started him along this journey, hasn't abandoned him. He hasn't been blind. Jesus hasn't been blind to everything that's going on with this man. But Jesus now invites him, you know, to, to, I am the Christ, right? I am the light of the world. Do you believe in the Son of Man, Jesus says to him? Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? You have seen him. You've seen him. And ultimately we have that encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And so this is the path. 
Baptism starts us along the path. There's going to be trials and difficulties and opposition along the way. But ultimately, it's about that relationship with Jesus Christ. That we fall in love with our Lord Jesus. Our path is a life of imitation of him. We identify ourselves with Christ and we love him. And he walks the path right along with us. So my friends, let's ask our Lord for the grace to really live this baptism. And maybe if some of us, you know, we're here on Sunday or Saturday night, so that's good. But maybe if even internally we've had the mindset of like, okay, I don't need to live my faith as zealously. Well, we do. We really, each one of us needs to be fully enlightened and allow the life of Christ to shape every moment of every one of our actions. Let's ask our Lord for this grace. And as a church, let's pray for all those who are going to be baptized, that they really be brought into the light and that they know the joy of living a life of discipleship and identification with the person of our Savior, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ.